<laughs> um, kids, please be dismissed. I, every, every service is just a little bit different, and I hate it when I forget stuff. And uh, I said, we stand for that. And as soon as I said him, I went, oh, forgot the kids. So um, they're a forgiving lot, though. There was a, there's, I don't know how many of you um, are college football fans, but there was a, a, I don't even know what game it was yesterday, but I saw the clip. And um, in college football, referees are instructed when they call penalties to face a certain way because where the camera is and things like that. So that's why they're always caught facing, um, you know, they're looking into the camera when they give a call. And one of the games just say the referee forgot and he turned and faced the wrong way. And they made a comment about it. he's looking the wrong way. And he realized that when he turned around, you could see him kind of like cussing at himself under his breath as he turned around. No, I didn't cuss at myself, just for the record. But I can identify, I can identify with the feeling. Um, today we are in Exodus 20 of the, of the Old Testament, a chapter that by name may not seem familiar to you. You may not recognize Exodus 20 by the chapter and by the book, but I bet you will by the words, because these are um, very familiar words to us. They are uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so I want to read these words that are spoken by God through his leader, through his prophet Moses, beginning at verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or the waters below. You shall not, but you shall not bow down to them and worship them. For I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you will live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, words that are familiar to us, that we have heard before, Lord, help us to hear them again, hear them anew, be challenged in our life to live it fully for all that you've created for us and in us and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus. Amen. It was the spring of 1987, and on one night, 
In that year, 7 million American children disappeared. 7 million American children disappeared. Now you probably right now are searching your memory bank. And you're thinking, how could I not know if 7 million children suddenly disappeared? Well, it's because it wasn't a horrific event. It wasn't violence. It wasn't kidnapping. No, the responsible party was the Internal Revenue Service. For, in 1987, the IRS put a provision in place, a, a law, if you will, that said in order to claim a dependent on your 1040 taxes, your 1040 forms for your taxes, you for the first time had to list his or her social security number. And on April 15th, 1987, seven million children that had existed the year before no longer existed. <laughs> One in ten children that had been claimed as a dependent on the tax forms in 1986 did not appear in 1987. And thus, seven million children disappeared. Now, when I read that and heard that story, I, like many of you, laughed. I found it funny, somewhat lighthearted. But as I reflected on the week and as I prepared, I wondered what that laugh said about me. And I wonder, depending on how we heard that, what it says about us. Because we encounter in the Scripture today familiar words. The Ten Commandments are not um, are not uncommon, even among those outside the Christian faith. Most, most of our friends and neighbors, even the most hardened atheist, uh, is going to at least be familiar with this moral code. We've probably studied it in some form in school, not as a religious document, as much as the, the rules that, that governed a people. And if we spent the time, which is worthy of our time, but if, if you unpacked each one, I think most of us would recognize how important it is to do our very best to honor these commandments completely. I don't think any of us would make a case, not as Christians, not, in, not as uh, believers, that we, we think that it's okay to kind of break some of these now and again, even though we do. We're not perfect. We know that we do, but I, I've never heard anybody from a Christian perspective, stand up and say, well, you know, that first one, you, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that's not, that's not hard and fast. We can have a couple. You know, let's cover our bases. Let, let's put a few in the pot just in case. Now, I'm not saying there's not that f belief, but I'm saying in Christ, as Christians, that's not what we ascribe to. I've never heard a preacher stand up and say, hedge your bet, pick a few others. Uh, you shall have, or you shall not make any um, false images, worship any false images. Again, not saying that we're perfect at this, but we understand why that is important. We understand that there's one God, and that you shall not misuse, you not take the name of the Lord in vain. We get that. We, we recognize that, again, even if we're not always 100% faithful to it. Uh, keeping the Sabbath holy, we understand why rest is important, why God gave us that provision. It's important to rest, to recover for our emotional, spiritual 
uh, relational health. So we get these things. And then we start to get into some of the, the, the relational uh, commandments with each other. Honor your father and mother. Not everybody had great relationship with their parents. I understand that. But we understand why that would be important. Uh, you shall not murder. Enough said. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. Again, never heard anybody say that was an okay thing to do. We get these things. You shall not steal. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. They're, they're, they're hard and fast rules. And we kind of understand they're, they're kind of black and white. And we understand that it's important to keep them and complete, keep them fully. And we don't rationalize our disobedience even when we are. But there's one commandment I skipped that I think provides or causes us to see in shades of gray, in ways that I'm not sure, in fact, let me back that up, that I'm confident we shouldn't. And that is the commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you were here last week, in both the first and the third service, the kids sang a song about that commandment. And it was simply boiled down to, don't lie. Don't lie. The problem is, most of us, and I'd almost say all of us, but I'm going to say most just in case there's an outlier. <laughs> outlier, I didn't even mean that that way. But, um, <laughs> but most of us lie. We do. That. There's a statistics. I don't know how they come up with these statistics, but it says the average American lies, or average person lies, 1.65 times a day. Now, I don't know what a .65 lie looks like, but I know it's averaged out. And the point is that we do. And we tend to think, yeah, but I don't tell the bad lies. You know, I don't lie. I don't, you know, I don't fudge my tax returns. I don't, um, you know, lie to my spouse. I don't do all these kind of horrific lies that we, we concoct. But the reality is we lie in small and subtle ways, in ways that most of us would say are harmless, that in some ways are harmless. For instance, and I'll use myself as an example, just imagine I'm having one of those days that we all have from time to time. I mean, just a bad day. Nothing's going right. Um, I'm not happy with the world, the weight of you know, pressure and, and things are on my shoulder. I'm just having a bad day. Go out to Publix, have to grab a couple things, bump into maybe you. And you say to me, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Now, it's a lie. It's a lie. But I don't feel like going into it, or I don't feel you really want to hear it. So I tell the convenient line to kind of keep things simple. Or, do you like my hair? <laughs> you know, what are those situations that we get into? What do you think of my outfit? Those situations where, because we want to be nice, we, we don't want to cause tension, we don't want to, to, to be mean, whatever it is, that we say things that we don't really feel. And we rationalize that, understandably. I mean, it makes sense, because we don't want to be mean. We'd rather lie than be mean. Not that those things have to, to be mutually exclusive. And, and I'm not standing here and advocating um, say everything that's on your mind. I'm not advocating be mean. Or, uh, you know, I think there's ways that we can be honest and compassionate and caring. 
But I am challenging us to think about how easy it is for us to fall into patterns of dishonesty, for us to fall into patterns of, of I heard described as tremendous trifles, little things that don't seem to matter, that don't seem significant, that you'd say, come on, really? I mean, do those things, are, do they really matter if I tell someone I like their dress and I really didn't? Or I tell somebody I'm fine and I'm really not? And I understand that and I struggle with that too. But here's where I think it does matter. We begin to erode the fabric of our integrity when little lies become ingrained in us. When it becomes easy for us to rationalize and explain away the, the, the white lies that we tell. Because what happens is we begin to, to create a condition of faithfulness that says that as long as either I'm not hurting anybody or let's be honest, it's more convenient for me to tell the lie it's okay. If it's more convenient for me to have to not have an extended conversation or for me to not have to um, figure out ways to be honest and, and kind at the same time, then it's okay. And we begin to erode the fabric of our integrity. That can very easily lead us to 7 million non-existent children on a tax return. Because after all, the government takes too much anyway. That's not fair. Who's it hurting? Or there's a case of Kathy um, Cashmore. The end of last year, the story came out about Kathy Cashmore. Kathy was, I don't know if she lives in California or just took a trip to California, but she got on the prices right which was exciting for her and her husband. Not only did she get on the prices right, she got the summons, come on down. She came down, and she won one of the showcase things that they do there at the front, and she got up on stage, and, and I can't remember whether she won or not, but whatever the case is, she got to that final round, or almost to the final round where you get to spin the wheel. You know that price is right where you spend. And she reached up there and she grabbed that wheel and she spun it with all she could. And she had her moment in the sun and she had her moment of fame. And it started to unravel. The problem was, five years earlier, Kathy Cashmore had filed a, a um, disability claim with her employer, the United States Postal Service. And part of her disability claim was that because of injuries suffered on the job, she could not walk. She could not raise her hands above her shoulder. And she ran down that aisle. And she spun that wheel. And her family was watching. And her friends was watching. And the insurance company was watching. (laughs) And they started an investigation. And they found not only could Kathy spin the wheel, run down the aisle, but she and her husband could zip line on Caribbean cruises and could carry furniture into their home. And it ended with her probation and conviction and penalties and all the things that come when our lies begin to unravel. And most of us, maybe not as severe, know the story. I, I was thinking about that this week. You know, the white lies become for us like a piece of thread that begins to hang off our clothing. 
You ever had that, the little piece of thread, and you think to yourself, you know, I've got this ribbon. Let me just pull it out, just a little piece. And you begin to pull. And the more you pull, the more it begins to unravel. And the integrity of the fabric begins to fall apart. That's what happens to us when lies become easy for us. When little white lies are, are simple for us to rationalize because our attention becomes about us. And the fabric of the integrity that God's called us to begins to unravel. And I know this seems like a huge leap. I, I get, and I, because I've asked that same question. As I was writing this sermon, I'm like, really? I mean, because, because we all do it. I mean, and, and I'm not saying you do it. I do it. This, this week, as I was writing this sermon, as I'm putting the words on paper, Friday night comes around, and Tony and I had a night away. The kids are not old enough. We can leave them home by themselves, and we can go out without them. Praise Jesus. And we go out, but before we did, we, we gave them some chores, some things they needed to do around the house. They had the evening to themselves. We said, you know, Cassie, you need to do this. Ryan, you need to do this. And um, we are blessed. And we, Tony and I will tell you, we have two great kids, but we don't have two perfect kids. And they are brother and sister in every sense of the word. And they fight like brothers and sisters fight. And so I knew it was inevitable, so I tried to warn them. And I said, I expect you two to get along tonight. I do not expect to find out you have been fighting and picking at each other. In fact, I have hidden recording devices around this house. And if you fight, I will know. I am writing a sermon on honesty, and I flat out lied to my children. Because I wanted them to behave. And in my mind, as it came out of my mouth, it made perfect sense, whatever it takes. But I was lying through my teeth. The problem with that, the problem with that is it's not a far leap for those lies to become more significant and for my kids to begin to wonder, when's dad telling us the truth? When's he being honest with us? I, that was funny and it was lighthearted, but, but I wasn't I, telling them with a wink. I wanted them to think I had a recording device. And I think I have to be careful. And I think we have to be careful of creating shades of gray in our speech. Jesus says in the Gospels, you, you don't need to take an oath. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let that be enough. Let people be able to trust the integrity of your word. And even those little white lies, if they begin to be found out, make people wonder when they can trust us. And it begins to unravel relationships. You know, Moses is getting this word from God this, this law from God that he's giving to the people, they have just come out of their bondage, out of their slavery. For 400 years, they've been identified as slaves. And they're beginning to receive and to, to, to live into a new identity as God's people, a new community. And then the, they're in this journey in the wilderness that is a literal and a figurative journey because it's not only a journey to a promised land, but it's a journey of becoming a promised people a chosen people. 
And God gives them this moral code to strengthen the fabric, if you will, of the relationships. The first four laws deal with our relationship with God. The last five deal specifically with how we relate and get along with one another. But it amazed me as I read them how many of these commandments, when they are broken, I I honestly believe, begin not with the big sin, but with the smaller failing of honesty. I mean, think of adultery. How many times in relationships that have suffered from adultery, of the sin of infidelity, do they begin not with the, the relationship, not with the failing of, of um, unfaithfulness in that, but they begin with dishonesty, with the inability to talk to each other, to be honest with each other, to share how they're feeling, how a couple, how a husband and wife are with each other. You can play that out even for the, m- the s- most serious of murder and of stealing and of coveting. So often they begin with our inability to be honest with the people we care about and really with ourselves and to be honest about who we are. And it carries right over to our relationship with God. The commandments stress that we are to honor God because we are dependent upon God's grace. We are dependent upon God's strength and His presence in our lives. We have to be open to that. And part of being honest is recognizing our own need. But it is so easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking we are okay. We got it all figured out. You know what? We don't have that need in our lives. And when we do, we close ourselves off to the blessing God gives. Because God isn't trying to heap guilt on us, but part of our honesty with God allows us to be open to what God wants to pour into us, to strengthen the relationship. So the fabrics of our relationships that these moral codes are meant to strengthen are the, the, the vertical and the horizontal. The relationship with God, the relationship with one another. But that is eroded when we can't be honest. I'll tell you to continue to play on that image of couples, but this plays itself out in so many ways. I'll tell you the, the, the worst sign I can see between two people in any kind of a relationship that are having problems and having struggles is when one person sits in front of me and it happens more often than I care to admit and says, basically, it's all their fault. It is all their fault. They're the one to blame. Now, they don't necessarily say it that pointedly, But our behaviors and our words begin to play that out. I'm not responsible. They are. Because what I recognize is we have a person, I have a person sitting across from me that is unable to see themselves honestly. Because I've never been in a situation where I've seen it 100%. Well, that rarely happens. Let me back that up. That rarely, rarely happens. There may be some very, very extreme situations. But when we can't see ourselves honestly, when we can't be honest with each other, it's an erosion of the integrity of our lives, of the fabric of our relationships, it really, really does matter. It does for our relationships and for the the credibility of our witness. If the world sees our dishonesty in little things, how can they trust us in big things, in the truth of Jesus Christ that we proclaim? So I know it's a huge leap, and I don't necessarily think that we're going to walk out of here and, and you are never going to tell a white lie. And I'm sure I'm never going to tell, or that I'm not going to be... I'm sure I'm going to be guilty of doing that as well from time to time. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. But what I hope is you're never comfortable with it again. If it bothers you the next time it happens, then I've done my job here today. If it bothers you to recognize 
that I'm laying some things in place that may lead me down a path that God does not wish me to go. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let the world and our friends and our family be able to trust our word. Jesus says the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You understand those relationships are undermined when we're dishonest, when our integrity unravels. It is a cliche that says honesty is the best policy, but you know why it's a cliche? Because it's true. Now, we communicate it with love. We communicate that truth with grace, but we are to be a people of truth. Let that best policy be the marker, the evidence, the character of our lives in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, that um, we would trust and rest upon your mercy when we do fall short, even in ways that seem insignificant. But, but they can have devastating consequences. They can lead us down paths that we don't wish to go. So help us to learn to be more faithful in the little things, to be more like Christ, so that the world and our friends and our loved ones and our church can trust the integrity of our word because no one ever doubted Christ, and we're called to be like him. So may we grow into that honesty and that faithfulness in our speech. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.